this is God's word and it's true and we can rely on it. Did he do great? Thanks, Tate. So a lot of people approach these words in this book as though they're like dead, dead words on a page, that these words were written a long time ago, that they're probably irrelevant or not helpful, or worse, they're just wrong. And so many people have decided that the words in this book are something that we should not spend any time. We decided last week that we want to spend more time with these words. And the reason we want to spend more time with these words is because we understand there's a blessing that comes from them. And we started by looking at the blessing as it's described in Psalm 1. Remember these verses? Blessed is the one who meditates on the law day and night. He will be like a tree planted by streams of water who flourishes, whose leaves do not wither, who bears fruit in season. This does not sound like dead words. This sounds like words that have power, that are alive, that are active in our life. And so we decided that we want to spend this little season in our life as a church and as families uh, dwelling in these words more. As we dwell in these words, they'll dwell in us. And we're going to try to be really practical. And our goal is quite simple, that by the end of this month, we will spend more time dwelling in the word than we did at the beginning of this month. So we're just trying to grow in whatever our next step might be. And some people already do a lot of time dwelling in the Word. Some people have never done it. So wherever you're at, we're hoping that we can move the bar along. And I promised you that I was going to ask you how it went this week. We gave you some specific tools with seven readings, one for each day. If you've never had one, uh, a guide, we thought that that could be a good guide. So how did it go this week? Would anybody like to say they didn't have enough time? Someone stopped me actually on the way in and said, hey, I just want you to know I made time this week to do it. And she said that it was really a great experience for her because she often had reflected on the Lord throughout the day. But because of the readings we had this week, she, was, she found herself filled with praise. And a lot of the passages that we read this week were focused on that. I'm just going to take a little risk here and I'm going to ask if there's anybody here who would like to very briefly share something that spoke to them this week in one of the passages that you read. Would anybody like to be brave? and do? Oh, thank you very much. All right, well, thank you. So I'm one of those that never has really read the Bible. And I thought that your challenge last week was awesome. And one of the things I've always struggled with is understanding what it said, because I don't know if I have the right version or whatever, but I, I struggle with understanding. So the dwell for me this week has been... I, I love the app because it has like a hundred, I don't know how many, different versions of the Bible. So what I did is you can just look up the verse and then pick the version that you want. And so what I've done is read it in several different versions and it really helps me dwell in the, in the Bible. So awesome. I, I love it and I love having the, which one to read each day. It's really been very great, helpful. Great, great. So. Thank you. You just made my day. Woohoo! Somebody did it. Awesome. Thank you. Anybody else willing to be brave? I'm going to pick on Jeremy because I saw on Facebook that he was actually sending the verses out to other people. So then I thought, I'm going to nail them and say, well, what they mean to you. So, uh, Yeah, absolutely. So one thing that caught my attention this week is Psalm 23. 
and verse 6. It says, Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And that's out of the NIV, but I read it in the NLT. And the NLT says, Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. And if I remember right from my Hebrew class this last semester, that the better word there is pursue, and just the how it changes how you look at that. His love isn't just following us around, teetering behind us, seeing where we're going to go. It's pursuing us, pursuing us. And there's no place that we can run so fast that his love does not run faster still. And so uh, Psalm 23, verse 6, that was just uh, impact for me this week. Awesome. Thank you. And you got a little Hebrew thrown in there on top of it. Thank you. Can we send a note to your professor that you actually used it? In... Yeah, that's a beautiful, beautiful passage, the pursuit of God's love. Anybody else willing to share just a brief, some passage or some experience from this week's dwelling? Okay, I know over coffee you're all going to want to continue to share things, but um, I'm going to be giving people chances every week for this, so you can start to think about that as you're working through your readings. If something is really meaningful, I love to hear about that. I love to hear how you were touched by it. One of the, uh, I did pretty good this week. I did six out of seven. I, I remember I said last week, I have a problem if I don't have my normal routine. So one day this week I had a completely different routine and I got to the end of the day and I realized I hadn't done my reading, but I did uh, the other six days. And one of the passages that really jumped out at me was Psalm 46, 6, which says, nations are in an uproar, kingdoms fall, God lifts his voice and the world melts. And something about that passage really caught my attention. Because we're in a world that is often in an uproar, right? Um, What about God's voice? What does God's voice have to say to this? And the Bible talks about God's voice as being like thunderous and mighty and powerful. And you got this picture of this voice that is so amazing that the whole world melts before it. And that was encouraging for me to think about the voice of God unlike any other voice. And that got me thinking about the words of God and the words that come out when his voice is speaking. And his words are not like any other words that we hear from anyone else. They're they're described as uh, a treasure. Even in the passages from Psalm 19 we read today, this, this treasure that we have of God's words and being able to listen to them, they're like more valuable than silver and gold. They're like a light to our path. They like guide our footsteps. This is this is God's voice. And it's in the world today, and it's alive and it's active. So we want to look at part two of dwelling this week, and I can actually do the whole sermon in three words. The sermon today is daily, diligent dwelling. Daily, diligent dwelling. These commands that I have given you today are to be on your hearts Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you are at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down at night, and when you get up. Write them on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your homes and on your gates. If we are really invested in dwelling in God's Word, then it, it goes everywhere we go. Sitting at home, walking along the way, Riding around town, hanging out, shopping, relaxing, working, going to school, to the pool, to the playground, when we golf, when we eat out, when we talk to our neighbors, when we lie down, when we rise up, everywhere we go, the Word of God goes with us. 
This is the power of dwelling because, you see, we're not just dwelling in the Word. We believe that the Word then begins to dwell in us so that these insights and these truths that we understand about God and how He works, they begin to follow us around. And then they raise their heads up in odd and unique times so that we can hear God's voice speaking into our specific, our specific circumstance. Write these commandments on your hearts and impress them on your children daily. Daily, diligent dwelling. These are the commands, decrees, and laws that the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you're crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all of his decrees and commandments that I give you, so that you may enjoy a long life. Hear, O Israel, and be diligent to obey. See, this passage is talking about not just hearing the words, but having this diligent like response to them that says, what the word says, I will do. That this hearing and obeying go hand in hand. You can't separate the two. That as I'm dwelling in the word, it begins to dwell in me, and now I start to do what the word is telling me to do. Diligent in studying and teaching, diligent in observation and obedience, diligent in passing along the truth, diligent in following God, daily, diligent dwelling. That's what this passage is inviting us to. Hebrews 4.12 For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrows. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. As we dwell in God's word, it dwells in us and begins to shape us and form us, teaching us and training us in righteousness and correcting us and rebuking us and challenging us, and encouraging us, and inspiring us. These are all things that happen as the Word begins to dwell in us. Daily, diligent dwelling. Now, I'm happy to report to you that my mother is here visiting again today, and I think a lot of you have met her. I think I have kind of a track record of, like, whenever she comes, I make fun of her in the sermon. (laughs) And I thought I should apologize and repent from that and give my mom some credit. So I wanted to do that today. And I give my mom and dad a lot of credit for one life-changing choice that they made very early in their life as a family, and that was to spend time every day in the Word. So whenever we sat down at the kitchen table for a meal, we read the Bible, and then we'd read some kind of little devotional that would go with this. And, you know, we weren't always paying attention, I'll admit that. My dad had this thing where he could, like, flick his false teeth out with his tongue while Mom was reading the Scripture. I don't think she ever saw that, but... But there was a daily investment... And this daily investment is what made its impression on us. We're like, this word needs to be listened to every day. And then this word needs to be discussed as part of our daily normal routine. And as we discuss it, then we see that this word starts to shape us and form us. I think we called that devotions. When I was in high school, I had a mentor who called it quiet time. That's maybe another name you've heard. So every day you have this kind of time when you pull yourself aside and listen to God's voice and shut out everything else. Um, I, heard, I heard a new expression this week, and it was chair time. Some of us were at this conference this week, and the guy who was speaking talked about, do you have a, a daily chair time? And it's the same thing. Do you have a daily time when you, he suggests your favorite chair in the house and your Bible, and maybe a notebook or a journal or something, and do you spend time every day in your favorite chair with God. And you listen. 
and you dwell in his word, and over time, this has power to shape and form us. Now, I got to admit, one of my challenges is discipline, so I sometimes have trouble with the routine of things, like doing the same thing over and over and over again. But I live with someone who is like an inspiration to me like this. My wife, Mary, she has a chair out on our porch, and every morning, I get to watch her go out there and sit with the Lord and with her Bible and with her journal. And I also have this great privilege then of being able to live closely with a person and watch how this chair time forms her and shapes her. So it makes her more and more beautiful all the time as she becomes more and more like Christ. As she dwells in the Word, the Word starts to dwell in me. And it actually inspires me so that when I have these glitches in my schedule and I mess up, I don't give up. I just say, okay, tomorrow I'm going to start over and I'm going to go back to my favorite chair and I'm going to have my chair time also. So you might think of it that way. Would you consider if you do not have devotions or a quiet time or a chair time and you didn't buy what I said last week, would you consider one more time the importance of a daily time with God, dwelling in his word, listening to what he says? This is what Deuteronomy 6 is inviting us to. It's inviting us to daily, diligent dwelling. And that whatever form you can do that. And if you actually expand your reading of this scripture verse out a little bit and read chapter 4 and chapter 5 and chapter 6 all together in one big lump, you'll see that this dwelling has a very specific reason. The reason we do this dwelling is because God said, I am your God and you are my people. You're my children. You're my sons and daughters. And if you want to be known as my people, the one thing that you do is you obey my word. You follow me in your word. And this is not an invitation to obedience just like for obedience sake, you know, like, like my dad used to say, like, well, because I said it, so you got to do it. That's not that kind of obedience. It's not an invitation to obedience like just for happiness sake, because, yeah, I want you to be happy, well-adjusted people. You should do this. It's not just for that reason. And God's not saying to obey just for the sake of, like, personal improvement or self-improvement, like, yeah, you should read God's word because it's going to make you a better person. It's not just for that. God primarily invites us to be in his word because he says, you're my people and I want to be with you. You're my daughter. You're my son. You're my child. Spend time with me. Do you have a best friend? Do you have somebody you really enjoy? Do you build that friendship by saying, hey, let's ignore each other? No. You spend time dwelling daily, diligent dwelling. This is actually part of what defines us as God's people. And there's lots of people who said really great things about this uh, because Pastor Allen is always throwing Dietrich Bonhoeffer quotes at me. I thought I should put one in a sermon. This is from The Cost of Discipleship. He says that um, obedience and um, hearing and obedience and following and faith, they all go hand in hand. He said, for faith is only real when there is obedience, never without it. You hear and obey. You hear and obey. You hear and obey, you do, and you do that by dwelling. You begin to dwell in God's word, and this shapes us. Daily, diligent dwelling. J.I. Packer wrote a great book called Knowing God, which I highly recommend in the same um, kind of pursuit. If you want to know God better, this would be a great book to read. In the beginning of his book, he talks about two groups of people. One group of people are sitting high up on a balcony, 
And as they sit on this balcony, they watch the road beneath them, and they watch people traveling on this road, and then they speculate about what's going on there. What do you suppose the road is like, and where do you suppose they're heading, and what do you think it's like to walk on the road? And they, it's all theoretical because they never leave the balcony. They're always up there talking about it. They never walk on the road. The second group of people are those people who are actually walking on the road. And they sometimes have theoretical questions and try to understand what it means to walk on the road, but their questions are all very practical. Questions about, like, now what are we supposed to do and what direction should we take next and how do we cope with this if we run into it along the road? Their questions are all about making choices on the road and how they live those choices out. No matter how much the people on the balcony think they are travelers, they are not travelers, they're spectators. They're watching the road. Those who walk on the path are travelers. Following Jesus is not a spectator sport. That's not done from the balcony. It's done on the road. It's done walking with Jesus. These commands that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. That's an experiential. That's a hear and obey, hear and follow, walk on the road. That's not sitting on the balcony. Following Jesus happens on the road. And we want to be so practical in this series. That's why we've been giving you these little inserts. So the insert that we gave you this week is the same content as last week, but the readings on the back are new. There are seven new readings. So if you're looking for that guidance in terms of where to read... And the, in, the, the content is to kind of help you maybe take it one step farther. So if you're the kind of person who has never read God's Word, then just read it. That's the first thing. Just read it. Start with that. If you've already done that, well, then one thing you might try to do is then after you read it, write it out in your own words. I mean, it's great to read multiple translations. Another thing you might do is make your own translation. Now, what does this mean to me? And then another thing that's super helpful for people is actually to say it out loud. The reading of God's word out loud has a, a unique effect on us rather than just reading it silently. And then another very helpful process for dwelling is then to pray the word. So after I've read something in God's word, I go, what, how do I pray that? How do I make that my prayer? Lord, help me dwell in your word as I rise and as I sit and as I walk along the road. God, guide me in your way. So I start to pray the very words. So we'd like to encourage you to that. J.R. already gave you the encouragement for the other way that we engage in dwelling, and that's together. There is real power in dwelling in God's Word together with other people. We do this whenever we have cell group meetings. We do it in our cross-training classes. Our kids do it in Sunday school. Our youth do it in youth group. When we get together, we want to like process God's Word together. If you're not in a group that's dwelling in God's Word, then you're, you're missing something really valuable. You're missing a treasure. And you might have the risk of being on the balcony watching other people travel. I'd say get on the road and join a group if you have an opportunity to do that. Now, sometimes I have conversations with people that go something like this. They say to me, the world is a mess. And then that comment is usually followed by some very specific criticism about something that's going on in the world. I'm not saying anybody here has ever done this, but sometimes when it has happened, it feels like the person talking to me is sitting on the balcony watching the world go by. And I, you know, it reminds me of those two old guys in the Muppets. You know, 
Actually, every time I see Fritz Deers, I'm reminded of the two old guy in the... <laughs> Sorry, Fritz. It's fun to be up there in the balcony offering critique, but here's something that I'm learning. Following Jesus happens on the road with daily, diligent dwelling. And that's a whole lot better way to deal with the problems that parade past me than sitting in the balcony. So I'd like you to consider that as an option also. So let's pray. Lord God, we give you thanks for your watching over us, for your blessing in our life, and for your word. Thank you for your Son, for your Holy Spirit who's at work to enliven us to your word. And God, we pray that you'll continue the good work that you've started in each of us, and we'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning. My name is Ken, and as one of the elders here, I'd like to invite you to join me in our congregational prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning as people redeemed through the sacrifice of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. We thank you that through him we can come to you with our praise and our petitions We confess that during this past week we have not always reverend you as we should or acknowledge that all the blessings we enjoy come from you and come from your goodness toward us. We confess that we have often allowed self-interest to motivate our actions rather than practicing true servanthood and care for others. Father, you know that we are needy people. We need your comfort for those of us who are grieving. We need healing and strength for those of us who are hurting in body or spirit. We need your direction for those of us who are seeking guidance about jobs or finances. We need your wisdom and grace to handle troubled relationships with our spouse, our children, or other family members or associates. We need your strength and guidance to help us dwell more in your word and commune more with you in prayer. Father, we thank you for hearing our prayers and for your faithfulness each day. We pray these things in the name of your Son, our Savior, the Lord Jesus. Amen.